The WWE family is saddened by the passing of Jim Neidhart, affectionately known to the WWE universe as the Anvil. A world-class athlete, Jim set high school records in the shot put that stood for over a decade and earned a full scholarship to UCLA. Neidhart's physical acumen caught the eye of legendary promoter Stu Hart. And while training at the famed Hart Dungeon, Jim found love both in wrestling and in life, as he would marry Stu's daughter, Ellie. Jim would gain global popularity by joining WWE in 1985. That's where he teamed up with his brother-in-law, WWE Hall of Famer Bret Hitman Hart, to form the iconic Hart Foundation. The greatest team in wrestling, the Hitman the Anvil. <laughs> the combination of the Hitman's technical prowess and the Anvil's brute strength dominated the tag team division. The Hart Foundation, the big and bad, is back, yeah! And their extraordinary connection with the audience has made them one of the most memorable tandems in WWE history. They don't pay me to think, they pay me to be tough like an anvil. Settle <laughs> down, anvil, settle down. So many funny memories of Jim and being that crazy loud guy that he was on TV, because that's, that's Jim Neidhart. Neidhart's success added to the prestige of the Hart family legacy, but he took the most pride in the accomplishments of his daughter, Natty, who has been a driving force in WWE's women's evolution. <laughs> Do you know how much I love you? How much? A ton. <laughs> to fans, Jim will always be remembered for his trademark goatee and signature laugh. <laughs> but to those who knew him, he was a loving father, husband, and family man who lived his life to entertain. Friday, August 17th, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 33, Part 1 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, and presented by Hameen Media. (laughs) 
On this week's show, Rick and I are going all around the world of professional wrestling before making our final stop in Brooklyn. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, the OG of the Huckleberry Club, the leader of the Underground Death Squad, live from Cincinnati, Ohio, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's the glorious RBV. Rick Vicker here, back again with the hit, the more pro wrestling podcast. Jargo, we've got such an incredible run today. We, we, did a split, we decided to split this thing into two. And on top of that, very special guest joining us to talk about one of the major highlights happening over on Facebook and the Hameen Media Group. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one. Like I said, though, so exciting. We had to split this thing into two takes. Yep, we're going to do uh, part one is going to be some news from around the professional wrestling world. Then we will be back in your ear holes early on Saturday as Huckleberry and I are going to sit down. There, there's just too much unpredictability at this point with SummerSlam and Rick's on location. And it's been kind of loud because it's, you know, about happy hour. So we wanted to give you the best possible SummerSlam preview show that we could. We're going to put that out. It'll probably be out around noonish. I'm guessing, on Saturday. Yeah, I guess I should probably throw that disclaimer out there. Uh, you know, everyone's, I'm always on location. But, you know, these late weeks, they, this is the industry I work in. Uh, yes, I do love the sauce, but a lot of they leave me here when I'm at work. we got events going on. We're trying to wrap up. Everyone's trying to get that last major boost here in the Midwest before – you know, business kind of shuts down when you hit Labor Day. So everyone's just trying trying to make that last rush. So uh, a very busy man trying to get all the hours I can and trying to get all the extra village I can get out there to make sure that we are well taken care of when we get to Chicago. Looking forward to it. Uh, before we jump on the road to StarCast and All In, Huckleberry, we, we, we've got to start with the big news of the week. Of course, you heard off the very, very top of the show, unlike the WWE, I gave Jim the Anvil Neidhart his proper 10-bell salute. Um, memories of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I, I, you know, when we, we kind of grew up at the same time, the Hart Foundation was still in their tag team stage. Of course, I was a big Shawn Michaels guy. So, of course, I was a Rockers fan. And the Rockers and the Hart Foundation, man, they had some wars. I hated Jim the Anvil Neidhart almost as much as I hated Brett the Hitman Hart. And I never really came around. Were, were you in the same boat or were you a big Hart Foundation guy? No, I'll tell you what. When it came to the splitting those two hairs, uh, I definitely fell the way of the Hart Foundation. Ooh. I, I love their style. I, I love you know the difference in their style. You know, such so much more success for the purple and, and black attack there. But you know, this Wait, past purple week, that was I, fucking I, the pink. pink. <laughs> the pink and black. Where did I get purple? I'm actually looking at a purple it, at a purple and black side right now. I thought the maybe you were colorblind. Uh, just just when it comes to all the individuals that I love around this world, but CBS pink cares. and black. Pink and black attack. I, forgive me. That's like a cardinal sin coming out of the gate here on the show. I just ruined the perfect show. <laughs> Pink and black. But, you know, I, I had the honor this week to uh, to sit in over on the J&K podcast, you know, also a part 
of the, the Roar Network is presented by thegorillaposition.com. I got to sit, you know, sit in with those guys you know, on a SummerSlam roundtable. Uh, and, of course, we were, we were recording the afternoon that this, that this news broke of uh, Jim Danville Nightheart's passing. And, you know, we were discussing our, our fond memories of him. Man, to me, he, he really embodied so much of what I love about that era and why I'm such a traditionalist. I mean, think about what he did. He had that infectious laugh. Mm-hmm. He had the goatee gesture and could throw a couple of shoulder blocks, and fans were eating that up. Yep. He, he was one of those less is more character creates cash. Yep. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You know, I, I say I hated the Heart Foundation. I guess I should clarify. The Heart Foundation was. You were supposed to hate them most of the time. That was the thing. And I, I realized that in my older years and I had a newfound appreciation for Jim, the anvil night heart, Brett, the Hitman heart, Owen Hart, the British bulldog, Davy boy, Smith, even your boy, Brian Pillman. Um, it was amazing, man, that the amount of heat back in those early days that those even like they were mid card tag teams, the heart foundation and the rockers, when they were just going at it, SummerSlam, my God. And then the Hart Foundation got elevated and the Rockers ended up breaking up. But that was very much the beginning of Sean versus Brett. What would define that entire generation of the WWF at the time? Well, and you had mentioned, you know, the actual the stable of the Hart Foundation. When you had the whole family together, I, and I, I don't I'll argue with anyone. And I know it's you know personal preference. But to me, when they when they had presented the angle where it was the heart foundation in the world versus America. To me, that is my all time favorite angle storyline of professional wrestling. It's one of the very few times that I have seen the, we're a baby face in Canada where heels in America thing and have it work. Um, of course, Cody kind of pulls it off now where he is super over as a baby face in ring of honor. And of course we, we saw him in new Japan pro wrestling earlier this week and the amount of heat that he still has over there. He somehow is making that work, but the heart foundation, they're really the first ones that I remember pulling off that angle and pulling it off incredibly well. Well, I guess, you know, maybe it could play to that. You know, that was the first time we really had that global exposure on a mainstream level. Uh, but you're right. You know, anywhere they went outside of the United States, I mean, it, they, they were the babies. They yeah, were the love. Completely. Of, uh, and then you turn around and you've got guys on the upside. You've got guys like, like Ken Shamrock, the Patriots, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vader. You know, those were the heroes here in America. But then even as, as insanely popular as Austin was here, he, 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 you flipped a coin when he'd go over to Canada or the UK. And it was back to that hate that they had originally thought he'd always have for it. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Rest in peace, Jim, the anvil Nightheart. Uh, I, I did want to talk to you about the Ronda Rousey promo. Of course, we're not really going to talk about Ron Smackdown this week. We're more so just going to highlight SummerSlam. Uh, what did you think of them taking Jim's passing and having Ronda deliver that promo in front of a live audience and then spinning it into an angle. This seems pretty polarizing. There were some people that absolutely hated it. There were some people that absolutely loved it. There are some people that are just completely indifferent. Where did you fall on this scale? I, you know, I was really in the middle. I know why it was there. It was, it was, it was put there slotted in that position to really invoke emotion. And it seems like from both sides, that's what it achieved. And, and I really believe 
I, I think it had Natalia's blessing. Oh, I think so too. Um, I, so I don't. Reason, I didn't I like it though. It the pass. I did not like it at all because well, here's what happened. All right, so typically when something like this would happen, I, I very much feel like the entire roster should have been on the stage and Jim should have gotten a 10 bell salute. I think Jim, the anvil Neidhart absolutely deserved a 10 bell salute, especially with Natty and TJ both working with the company. I, I, as even as a show of respect to them, if nothing else, they should have gave Jim, the anvil Neidhart a 10 bell salute. Here's my problem. So raw opens Rousey's music hits and that place pops and it pops hard. Rousey comes out and she delivers like the saddest, most depressing promo on the face of the planet. You could almost hear a pin drop in the arena and then they spin it back into an angle and we want you fans to be right back into it. It just, it it felt so completely disconnected and I felt like the whole segment just fell flat because the crowd was super hot and then it was like you pop their balloon and then there was like, why aren't you people cheering? Yeah, they probably, you know, as we regularly talk about, uh, maybe right direction, but terrible execution. You know, maybe you open up with, you know, even if, if you're not going to go the route of the 10 bell there, at least open with, you know, the promo package we saw later and then the 10 bell. Show some high, show your graphics of what you got going on. Go to commercial, then hit Ronda's music to get people re-geared instead of like in the morning stage or, you know, just in a morning state of mind let's celebrate this thing and instead of her merchandise maybe she is rocking a traditional you know heart foundation t-shirt to show that you know the solidarity between her and her friend her sister natalia i don't think they needed to go the route they did but you could have suddenly you could have suddenly made a statement and got the same reaction you know for ronda there it felt like a buzzkill coming right out the gate which is not how i like to start monday night raw and i don't feel like the show really ever recovered from that initial buzzkill it just felt like it just completely took the audience out of the show uh let's let's move on let's jump on the road to starcast and all in rick we have a big announcement here the over the budget battle royal just got serious as we have a new entrant and they call him Cage. Yeah, a major announcement jumping into this thing, especially when you look at the you know the stakes that are on the line. This just, just isn't just a hey a spot to shine on the all-in great stage. This is going to give you a, a, a championship opportunity, and if it's the right talent that comes that emerges from this battle royal, you're going up against one of the absolute best in the world right now. You have a chance to possibly go out there and steal this show be one of the matches that people are really talking about around the globe you know come september 2nd dude if you give me brian cage versus jay lethal i mean i know jay lethal's gonna win that match i don't even care i just want to see the match because that would be a tremendous match but i still feel like colt cabana is gonna win this battle royal i think i definitely could i think you could go with that there just to get that that in Chicago you look at the names involved in this thing you know Colt's got to but now that when we mention Cage in this thing yeah Cage definitely changes things a little bit another one that I got my eye on is Moose because I think there's there's something about Moose challenging for the Ring of Honor championship 
that would be incredibly poetic because that's the entire reason he left Ring of Honor and went to Impact was because they wouldn't elevate him into that main event scene. It just seems like a very poetic gesture on behalf of Cody and the Bucks. Well, or, you know, if you know a lot of people, we've had those naysayers, oh, this is a one-off. We're not going to get things going forward. You're telling me if you, maybe you got Cole, Cage, and Moose as your final three. Uh, and Cage and Moose, you know, kind of cost each other this opportunity. I mean, you're talking about uh, some great programming going forward for Impact Wrestling. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I like that. We're going to talk a little bit more about Impact here in just a second, which is crazy. We're going to talk about Impact twice on one show. Uh, the, the match that I really wanted to take a look at today, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels, the the, the spokesman for SCFNU, is going to be taking on... The Green Arrow, Stephen Amell. This guy is not a professional wrestler. He is 1-0 in his wrestling career. Of course, he has a victory over Stardust. Um, Rick, I I think Stephen Amell is going to win this match. And it's going to be a damn shame. Because can you imagine the amount of heat that Christopher Daniels could get off of this thing? Running his mouth about how he beat up Stephen Amell. I think I've actually I think Daniels is going to get this one. I, I know Amel. Uh, you're talking about his professional wrestling record, but I mean, this guy, but, yeah, you know, but he how many super villains has he defeated? Oh, there is that. You know, he does that on the weekly. But I'm going with I'm going with Christopher Daniels. Uh, once again, you know, this is one of those things that you can take from here. Daniels is going to be going all around the globe talking about how he took care of this guy. Yeah, I want to hear Christopher Daniels talk mad smack about Stephen Amell for the next year or so. Stephen Amell uh, put up a video on his uh, Twitter feed. We retweeted it at HTMPWPod of him getting ready for this thing. Stephen Amell is in ridiculous shape. He's probably in better shape than Christopher Daniels. He's doing a great job of just absolutely shit-talking Christopher Daniels. Who hits the jukebox in the middle of a recording? My God. I think they did it intentionally. Fucking cocksuckers. Wow. You know, uh, you know, all I'm asking for, Rick, all I'm asking is for a little respect. I wonder if I can get fucking service out on the stoop. <laughs> Let me check this. Let me check this. What a douche move. I'm going to fucking try it. Here's the douchebag jingle. How's this? Wow, that's not too bad. Wow, right, I'm out in tra- traffic. What's the name of that fucking place? Uh, babes. Hey, hey, babes. Y'all suck. What a what a what a dick move. Wow. Yeah, they they don't understand what the hell I'm doing. You know, you know that that's one of those things that I think maybe. We should send Stephen Amell and Hangman Page to Babes in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, they can murder some famous dicks. Yes. Bunch of douchebags. Let's talk about uh, Chris Jericho. Let's talk about Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho put up on Twitter, 2019 is going to be an interesting year. Hashtag free agent Jericho. Which, of course, got the entire wrestling world completely abuzz. And then we had uh, this, this jackass C-Dub 559. He, he decided that he was going to chime in like he was an expert. 
And uh, he, he says that he won't ever wrestle in North America for anyone other than WWE. He said that on his podcast. The ocean don't count. He is loyal. I'm willing to bet. The only way he would do it is with Vince's 100% blessing, which Jericho himself responded to by simply saying, not necessarily. Huckleberry, there's something going on here. There is some real heat between Jericho and what seems to be the powers that be at the WWE. Well, again, is this one thing with Jericho where, hey, he's the ultimate worker in this day and age. Yep. We we can never fully trust what he's got going on. He has misled us so many times, and he is, and that's that's not a knock. He's a mastermind. Uh, When it comes to, you know, keep that swerves going, keeping us on the edge of our seats, keeping us surprised. You know, Jer- we've said a couple of times, Jericho's got himself elevated to the point where he goes where he wants and does what he wants. Before we think there's any real beef going on uh, between the two parties, so, you know, anyone at WWE and one Chris Jericho, but hey, he knows right now they are, there's a great opportunity. They, the independent scene if you want to just if you want to just stick with that term, independent scene is about ready to explode, and one Chris Jericho could be one of the leading factors into that. And a lot of this, you know, a lot of people are comparing like, oh, into the creation of like WrestleMania, or you know, at WrestleMania three or the NWO. Chris Jericho is an ultimate marketer. He wants to be a part of this thing. I think it's going to happen. I think you're going to get Chris Jericho in Impact Wrestling. I think it's going to be a very, very short run, maybe a month. He'll be, he'll be there for one TV taping, and what he's going to be doing is hyping the Jericho Cruise. That's what this is all well, about. What do you think? You know, the rumor that the rumor that's going on there. What do you think about that? That they're actually going to bring him in, possibly bound for glory, put that championship on him, and then have him hand that off to another Impact talent at the Jericho Cruise. I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. Of course, we we know that he is going to be in a big six-man tag match when it's going to be the, well, not the elite. It's going to be uh, the Golden Lovers and Marty Skrull versus Y2 Jackson, or is it the Bucks of Jericho? These assholes leaving now? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we might get a shake-up there because we've had some other developments here uh, just recently. John Morrison has thrown out a challenge to anyone in the Bullet Club. Anyone or everyone to face him on the Jericho Cruise. So what, you're thinking uh, Johnny Impact walks away as uh, Impact World Champion? Well, no, I mean, he's just thrown out for the Bullet Club. He's thrown out to anyone. We might have a mix-up and know what they're kind of presenting as that card. Interesting. Very, you put, very you put that championship on Jericho, uh, you know, maybe maybe Johnny joins the Alpha Club. Hmm. That's an interesting dichotomy. Of, of course, Johnny Mundo, also a member of the uh, Worldwide Underground, Lucha Underground, cutting off freaking dragons' heads, dressed as Indiana Jones. That's so freaking weird, but it's so freaking great. Let's uh, jump over to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've got some news coming out of New Japan after the G1. Of course, there haven't been any matches, but we are absolutely getting some storyline developments. So, Rick, number one, we have seen the greatest IWGP World Heavyweight Champion of all time and his manager now split. Okada and Gato are no more. No longer will Gato be accompanying the Rainmaker to the ring. 
although Okada is going to stay in chaos and they may be tag partners once in a blue moon, evidently Okada thinks he's a big boy now. He doesn't need Gato anymore. What is this just prolonging the inevitable here? I think so. Uh, you know, Gato's going to go find, you know, that that next, uh, I guess, what would you, not really an apprentice? I mean, how would you put that? How would you turn, you know, how would you term their relationship? Hey, Booker man. That's, that's pretty much how I would uh, call their relationship. It, it, everybody knows that Gato is the man behind the creative. And of course, if you are, uh, if you're a Gato guy, you're, you're sitting in a pretty good position. But, I mean, but I know besides, you know, but outside of that though, I mean, so do you think he intentionally now stops giving Okada those opportunities in favor of the next, you know, I don't know, client, protege, however you want to associate acquaintance. Well, I believe it was our friend uh, Seth Kennedy over in the Hamid Media Discussion Group said that maybe he's ready to breathe. Dot dot dot. To which I said, "You shut your whore mouth now." Uh, any chance that Gato ends up with Switchblade Jay White? You think right now, you know, Jay has a, a great angle in his game down. If he can get you to play his game, he's got you. Uh, but as we've learned, you know, those that, you know, where muscle makes, you know, right, he has trouble with that. So maybe he needs to go to that experience. He needs that leadership. He needs something to give him that edge. Or, you know, we could see someone out of nowhere here. This whole thing has been kind of a little bit of a, a, a smoke, you know, smoke in the eyes movement for them. God, I wish Kitamura could come back. Kitamura with Gato. My God, the Japanese version of Cage with Gato. That could be a lot well, of fun. I, 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 do, I do think this throws a major swerve in the plans that we've talked about for Okada. You know, you were a big proponent of that he would actually be the one to take that United States championship off Jericho. I, you have to think now, though, I mean, is that opportunity going to be there? I think we have uh, bigger plans for Okada going towards Wrestle Kingdom at this point. We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Well, actually, I guess we can talk about it right now. Hiroshi Tanahashi has called out Okada. He says, yes, of course, I'm going to defend my briefcase and I'm going to defend my Wrestle Kingdom contract against uh, Switchblade Jay White. But he's also going to defend that briefcase against the Rainmaker and it was Tanahashi throwing down the challenge to Okada. He feels like he needs to defeat Kazuchika Okada before he can legitimately challenge for the IWGP Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Now, Rick, we've never had anybody who has won the G1 lose the briefcase. We have also never had anybody who has won the G1 actually claim the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Tanahashi versus Omega, there's a lot of people saying it does not feel like a Wrestle Kingdom main event. Could this be a weird roundabout way to get back to Okada versus Omega in the Tokyo Dome just with the roles reversed this time? You know, very interesting. I, I don't know if it's, if it's too soon to revisit that or if you're trying to you know get all the milk out of the cow in the case that Omega you know, departs or if something else is in the works. Uh, but very interesting. I was not aware of that, that we've never uh, had a, you know, a successful G1. Yeah. I, I saw that stat they, just the other day. 
They've never went on to claim the championship. And of course, this would be the first time since I want to say 2011, since Okada came back from excursion, he would not be involved in the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match at Wrestle Kingdom as it stands. That right one now. I buy into, but yeah, but that other one—that's an incredible stat, man. Yeah, I, I couldn't hardly believe it. But when you well, they number one, they haven't been doing the whole briefcase thing for that long. That's a fairly new uh, development of uh, having the briefcase and having to defend it. I think that's only been going on for about five years now. Oh, okay. I thought it was longer than that. Uh, you know, you, is everyone out there knows you? Know, I'm still re- I'm still relatively new to to New Japan, learning my way through. Uh, trying to get a grasp on you know what's happened over the last couple of years before diving truly into the to the history. But yeah, you talk to you, especially if you're around that five year mark. That's when you want to kind of set that that precedent. Okay, this can't happen. Yep. It's very intriguing. Uh, We also now have Kenny Omega is going to be defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Tomohiro Ishii. Highly looking forward to that match because those two guys have incredible chemistry. We are assuming that match is going to be at Destruction. If it is not on one of the Destruction shows, it will be at King of Pro Wrestling. We also now know that the Gorillas of Destiny are not happy just being members of the IWGP six-man tag team never open weight champions. They are also coming for the Young Bucks and their IWGP heavyweight championships. I don't think there's any big surprises there. And we also now know it will be Cody, don't call him Rhodes, taking on Juice Robinson at Fighting Spirit September 30th at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. Rick, any of these uh, completely jump off the page to you? Do all of them jump off the page to you? I mean, we're talking probably three or four different shows where all these big matches are going to be happening. Uh, the GOD and the Bucks, you know, that's something that we've been speculating and anticipating, you know, since rumblings began amongst Bullet Club. Outside of that, though, like you said, Ishii, Omega, that's going to be tremendous. But what about Cody? Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Going to challenge for the uh, the IWGP United States Championship, but he also might be sporting a gold of his own going into that. I like that match now. Um, when this w- first kind of we got the creative for this, I was like, wait a minute. So Cody's jumping all the way to the front of the line after like five people beat Juice Robinson inside the G1. What the hell's going on? Oh, this is happening at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. I get it now. We're getting Cody on the card to sell tickets. That's what this is about. This is actually catering to the Dirty Ass Gaijin for a Dirty Ass Gaijin show. I'm completely okay with it now, as long as Juice Robinson wins. Well, it's fine how you uh, you know how you get out of this thing that works. But like I said, you know, Cody might be entering this match as the uh, the NWA champion. It's going to be interesting. We will, uh, of course, be taking a much closer look at Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis as the road to StarCast and All In continues on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast what, what and po- in the what, locker what room. Podcast, what podcast has this visual? That's that's a freaking bus. Yes, sir. That's, that is a Cincinnati Metro pulling right up to uh, the makeshift studio of one RBV here. Uh, for this edition of the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, what, what podcast brings you this this like uh, this real street coverage? We got all access, all access Cincinnati. I'll leave it, I'll leave it out here. Hey, we we are sitting at one of the busiest intersections in Cincinnati. <laughs> 
tremendous. All because the people at yes. Babes in Cincinnati are a bunch of douchebags. Let's uh let's let's jump over to some Ring of Honor. So Rick, we we we've got these UK reunited shows. The 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 first tour of the UK. You really put the camera on your balls, really? That's oh, I just set it down. I was starting to hold it for a moment. Here, I'll turn he it around. He meant the laptop, so not his it. balls. Oh my god, so, we are so off the rails. I'll put it this way, so you can see the screen. Yeah, I want to watch the cars go by. Let's talk about okay. uh, so so honor reunited going on this weekend over in the United Kingdom. The first set of shows over there went so good that we're doing three more shows. And Rick, they have raised the stakes just a little bit. I wanted to talk to you about the International Cup. We have eight superstars in a, in a bit of a tournament here. And the winner is going to get a shot at the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Round one is United States versus UK. There's four matches on Thursday the 16th, so by the time you hear this, they've already happened. Then you have the semifinals and finals on the 18th in Doncaster, England, and the ROH International Cup winner will face ROH World Champion Jay Lethal August 19th in London, England. Rick, here are your competitors. You have Jimmy Havoc, Joe Hendry, Mark Haskins, and Kip Saban making his Ring of Honor debut representing the United Kingdom. Representing the United States, you have Jonathan Gresham, Hangman Page, Christopher Daniels, and Flip Gordon. Any of these guys jump off the page as a legitimate challenger to Jay Lethal for you on August 19th in London? Well, uh, you know, I mean, well, a, a great field there. But Jay Lethal, the true fighting champion. I mean, this guy's just throwing challenges everywhere. Yeah, he's you know, defending against covers, champion winners. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know, he always needs to start going with the gimmick. Jay Lethal, make you famous. Yeah. You know, start printing the t-shirts. Uh, you, you get a shot with this guy. You're going to put on an instant classic. This thing is in London. Do you, do you think one of the UK guys is going to win this tournament just because it's happening over in the UK? Okay. Uh, yeah, Havoc, man, he's absolutely on fire. Anyone jumping out to you? Um, I well, I kind of think somebody in the UK might win this thing, but I think that the the match that I want to see is friend of the show, Jonathan Gresham. I want Jonathan Gresham to win this thing, and I want to see Jonathan Gresham go after Jay Lethal one more time because those two gentlemen have some unfinished business, and the matches are always fantastic. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, just another chapter between those two, a little kind of unfinished business, uh, especially with the stakes raised a little bit. I don't know. I just think they're probably going to go for that cheap pop, a little home, you know, get, give someone the wrong, uh, the hometown guy a rub or, you know, the home country. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and as far as the UK guys go, I'm with you. I think I would go with Jimmy Havoc. Absolutely. Uh, one other note that I wanted to throw out just real quick is another friend of the show, Miss Kelly Klein. Uh, Huckleberry, did you see what she's up to this weekend? But lay it on me. I, 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 she's been. I actually was uh, before we went to the air here. I was checking up some news and notes on on Twitter. Uh, Kelly is always entertaining. So if you're going to get after, you want to follow her on social media. But none of it was about pro wrestling. At Real Kelly Klein is her Twitter handle. Go ahead and uh, give her a follow there. She is currently 
in Japan as she will be partaking in the stardom five-star Grand Prix. Now, Rick, this is basically like the uh, stardom women's version of the G1, and Miss Kelly Klein is playing the role of Miss Hangman Page. She is the gaijin that is in the tournament. It's a great opportunity for her. Wish her the absolute best. Go over there and uh, beat up some Japanese. Well, we're going to have to reach out to her uh, upon her return to, to check out the experience. Absolutely. So, Huckleberry, let's let's talk about uh, part one here of the preview show. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Of course, I also uh, previewed this with uh, the Andrew Bello over on the next level at the Hameen Media Group. Are you all caught up now? I know you like to uh, binge watch your NXT going into the takeovers. Y'all caught up? You ready to go? Uh, I, I pretty much am. I was everything up until the go home uh, last night, but I, but I think I'm in full gear. I, I, I'm ready to discuss. We, we've got uh, five, another five matches on the card, correct? Yes, sir. Of course, um, the go home show for NXT, ladies and gentlemen, it's two weeks out. That is the actually the go-home show for NXT. The show right before a takeover is a lot of video packages and a lot of promos and some matches that really don't matter a whole lot going into uh, takeover. I think there was one match on last night's show. We'll jump into the results when we get to that match. Uh, let's talk about EC3 and the Velveteen Dream. Uh, Huckleberry, this is a match between two of the biggest egos, not just in NXT, but in all of professional wrestling. What are you thinking? I, I'm going with Velveteen Dream over Strong. Dream needs the win. EC3 can take the loss. Hell, we could call EC3 up on the Monday after SummerSlam, as far as I'm concerned. I'm ready to call EC3 up like yesterday. Velveteen Dream and EC3, what do you think? It's still so much for Dream to do in NXT, and he is still looking for that landmark victory. Yep, he he really hasn't had that on a stage, you know, like a takeover. He really needs it, and you know, the excuse has always been he hasn't really needed it. You know, he's got that great character work. I think the time is now, and as you said it perfectly, EC3 he doesn't really need this thing, uh, and I he just had to come a little reaccustomed. Maybe there wasn't really a spot for him at the time on the you know on the red or blue brands, but. He knows how to work their camera and their style. You know what? You need – you certainly need a major energy boost between Raw and SmackDown. Having to having do the D tier, give the, the rub to the dream, and move on to, uh, to greener pastures, if you will. I know. Me and Bello talked about this, too. It's so messed up when you're actually pulling for people to lose so that they can get called up to the main roster. It's absolute. It's just a ridiculous kind of dichotomy. No, I, I don't think it's it's not it's not really pulling because I don't know if we really are rooting for anyone to get moved up to the main to the main roster. But in the case of an EC three, it's almost as if if they really mess him up, then they have some serious deep rooted issues. The, I mean, this isn't a small. This guy has everything that, that they want from a superstar. He knows your system. He, he is young. He's athletic. He, he's got the looks. He's got the personality. They call him up and mess that up. We've got bigger issues than than what we're currently looking at. The, I think the only thing holding EC3 back from being the next John Cena is the fact that EC3 was pretty much made in TNA. It's kind of how I feel about EC3 at this point. 
Let's move on to uh, Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Huckleberry, this thing, they just keep adding more layers and more layers and more layers. Last night on NXT, we saw Kyrie Sane has kind of gotten her killer instinct back as she uh, goes right after the women's champ, kind of making a statement after hitting poor Aaliyah with three insane elbows and then tapping her out with the anchor. I think it's time. I think Kyrie Sane is going to take the NXT Women's Championship. What's interesting here is what you see happen. How how this booking might play out, you know, into Sunday night. You know, so much speculation around that that Bates was going to get involved, become a muscle for Bliss, or you know, just just go on her own as a turn uh, against Ronda, maybe even assist Ronda. You know, a lot of people are thinking it's time for the get her involved somewhere around Ronda Rousey, Rousey, but. Man, I will still stand by I, just just to keep avoiding this this typical booking in NXT. When you lose, you move on. It, it's getting a little played out. I would love to see her keep that championship, then make her presence felt at NXT. You know, a little bit like Kevin Owens did. You know, still representing that championship. Uh, then down the road, maybe it's Survivor Series where Baszler is spreading herself too thin. Mm-hmm. Then one of those girls pick her off. I don't think the time is right for someone to take her down. Well, here, here's my logic as I'm looking at the booking. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Kyrie Sane and Sheena Baszler. They sat down for their contract signing, and then they established two contenders. They established Bianca Belair as a number one contender for Kyrie Sane. They also established Candice LeRae as a number one contender to NXT Women's Champion Sheena Baszler. Of course, last week on NXT, we saw Sheena Baszler put down Candice LeRae. That felt like a pretty definitive statement to me. That feud is over with. Bianca Belair, shown this week on NXT, training for her comeback. I feel like they're really going to push Bianca Belair into this main event picture. That's why I'm going with Kyrie Sane. Not so much because of Shayna Baszler, just because of how they're laying out the rest of the women's division at this point. What could you see any shenanigans there, or is it just, is it just kind of okay that happened in NXT, which we've seen regularly? It happened in NXT. We really don't care about it now that you're on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I expect. What you know, if it didn't happen on the main roster. As we all know, it never happened. Hell, you're going to get AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the first time ever on Sunday. Well, and, and you know, even, even going back to this year, you could really play off to really help Gary uh, Sane there. This would be two wins over Baszler. Yeah, they, you know, they, and this it, will be a rubber match. For the May Young Classic. Great, great promotion for uh, the May Young Classic. Yeah, one year later, almost to the day, the the winner of the May Young Classic captures the NXT Women's Championship. Yeah, well, yeah, you you start filming it, you start releasing that stuff, you know, right after SummerSlam, essentially. Hell yeah, I'm with you, man. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about Ricochet and Adam Cole for the NXT North American Championship. Ricochet is another one of these guys that Huckleberry, I am just ready to call this guy up because sitting in NXT, the only reason for Ricochet to be in NXT is because we don't know what in the hell to do with him on Monday Night Raw. I know he's not a very good talker, but boy, is he going to supply that. Holy shit, did you just see that moment, which is missing from Monday Night Raw since King Neville kind of took his leave. Um, And then, of course, you have Adam Cole, the swarmy dick, as Adam Bell, or, uh, Andrew Bello likes to call him and Adam Cole just needs a championship to be a swarmy dick. 
Yeah, this was really interesting. I wonder if you just if this is another case where the loser is ready to move up uh, to make his way, you know, into. A, I, I hate. I don't want to say the same thing, but you know, financially, yes, greener pastures. Or this could be something we see, you know, evolve beyond just the the North American Championship to eventually these guys have a great revisit this thing into a tremendous WrestleMania takeover run. Yeah, because Ricochet at this point. He is what he is on a microphone, uh, he, but he brings that WCW cruiserweight thing to the main roster to where you have that moment where you're just like, holy shit, did you just see what Rey Mysterio did? I mean, yeah, I'm all about watching Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan, but I had to have that Rey Mysterio. I had to have the Eddie Guerrero. I think Ricochet can fill that role on Monday Night Raw real quick and in a hurry. Uh, but I think that it, it wears thin quickly. I don't know what the shelf life is there for that wow moment because, I mean, sure, he could probably take a little of that workload off and of, say like a Seth Rollins. But Rollins is going to be go out and do the same thing an hour or two. Kevin Owens is going to do the same move an hour or three. Finn Balor can do that move anytime he wants. How, what is the shelf life for that wow moment for him there? And they have a they have a track track record of not being able to handle talents of, of you know, of, of his fashion. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe send him to SmackDown. I could get behind that, too. Of course, I, I kind of want Johnny Gargano on SmackDown. Well, I think those would all work well together. I think, you know, you could, you could get Ricochet over there working some of those matches. It just seems to fit more with style. You know, a Dan, even a Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. You know, you know, I'm almost over there. I almost feel like there is so much top end talent in NXT right now. I almost feel like it's time for another Nexus angle where let's put like six of these freaking guys together and just call them all up at once. You know what I mean? I actually heard uh, uh, something pitched over on the JK podcast. Uh, obviously, JK podcast, part of the Roar Network, along with us over at the where you know, everyone was speculating what the hell this NWO stuff, what Hogan had planned. I didn't necessarily like the idea of Hogan being involved, but but Big Joe over there threw out, what if you know it wasn't New World or was the it was the NXT World Order along those lines. But just you know the thought process of you know that he's sharing with you of getting these guys motivated. Hey, you need something to do with Paul Heyman. Ooh. What if he let these guys in? A new dangerous alliance. You've got the danger, you know, a new dangerous alliance, but it was kind of very similar to when we saw Rob Van Dam and Sabu showing up on a Monday Night Raw. I like it. I, of course, uh, made a pitch on the Next Level podcast, which you can also check out at hackerhamin.podbean.com. I think what we should do is we should just have when when Cody and Omega. And the Bucks, when they all come in, let's put them together with with Gallows and Anderson and AJ Styles and Finn Balor. And then let's just have a moment where Hulk Hogan comes out and literally turns them into the new NWO. I'm on board for that. I I just don't know if I I just don't know if I'm down with crossing those those borders. You know, just I'd rather see them stand new, something separate, instead of revisiting something so so far in the past. I like those guys doing their, their, their viral footage and all that. It's actually doing nothing to excite me. I think what it is, is I think they're going to invade the Jericho cruise. 
that's the rumor that's going on, and that actually turns me off a little bit to it. I mean, it's great for those individuals going to be there. Believe me, you know, because you know, outside of Hogan, there, there, a lot of those guys are going to be there at at Starcast and all in. I'm looking forward to you know seeing them, hopefully meeting them, getting to speak with them. But it's, to me, it's one of those things that it, I just rather keep, you know, one of those fond memories from you know years gone by. Yep, I'm with you. Let's talk about Mustache Mountain versus the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, Huggleberry, I, I think really the only thing that we know here is this match absolutely could steal the entire weekend. You're 100%. That was going to be my line. This is going to be one of those matches. If you're looking for something to get excited for just in-ring action, this is absolutely going to be it. I think with already the, doing the one switch, you know, to appease the UK audience and then the quick switch back, I, I don't see any shakeup here. Uh, but just sit back, don't, don't let that, don't let that ruin your experience. Just sit back and enjoy this one. Last night on NXT, this was the main event, and I feel like this was really the only important thing that happened on NXT TV last night of any importance whatsoever. We had Tyler Bate straight up pin Roderick Strong. They had a singles match. Tyler Bate hit him with his finish and then pinned his ass clean. One, two, three. I think a definitive win like that for Mustache Mountain is a bit of a telegraph that Undisputed Era are retaining these titles in Brooklyn and Mustache Mountain will become the first NXT UK tag team champions. We'll do this all again at War Games. I, I could see I could see exactly where we're going here. You know what's Let's go settle this thing inside that, you know, that massive structure, uh, you know, the new brand versus the original. See where we're going here. Yep. Then, of course, we have your main event, ladies and gentlemen, and Huckleberry. I think we're going to end this show on this match. And then, uh, of course, our interview with Joe, um, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, last man standing NXT championship. Everything is on the line here. One of these two men is not going to be able to answer a 10 count. I'm going with Tommaso Ciampa. I think the evil bastard is going to end the Gargano fairy tale once and for all. Huckleberry, which side of the fence are you falling on here? Yeah, I think it's too, it's too soon to make a switch here. Uh, but as I was thinking about this thing, you know, someone's going to, isn't going to be able to answer the 10 count. Would they possibly symbolically, maybe you have Black get involved here. I know he can't get overly physical, but his recovery time was supposed to be a quick turnaround. A, a fade to Black, you know, he is, he's associated with the caskets. Could we see someone leaving, you know, thanks to him in a casket? That bastard Tommaso Ciampa just waving goodbye. And, and then some kind of weird alliance between these two, or you know, we get to reveal actually who it was that took him out. I'll go back to you know, I've been saying this is Candace. I said this before we even had the suspects listed. Uh, maybe it was Candace, and she was she was doing it for Johnny. I don't know if you really want to put that heat on those two. And this one, this is you know, kind of like you know, the interest with the main event, you know, the, with the potential main event, but the Universal Championship at SummerSlam. Is how they're going to end this thing. You know, what's what's the story going forward? But the difference between those two matches, this, this is going to be very interesting from bell to bell. Who comes out on top? 
I'm, I'm going with the champ. He is retaining. I think it's too soon. I think he's got so much, you know, so much more to offer, so much of his greatness to still put on display in NXT. And as you said, man, I, I just I don't really see the rush to move him. I think he is someone that they will definitely uh, miss the mark on. Okay, so now the big question. We all were expecting Aleister Black to eat the pinfall in this match. And somebody was going to get called up. And it was going to be Aleister Black. Aleister Black was going to end up on either Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live. Now with this injury, do you think Johnny Gargano is called up to the main roster this week? If you make that move, I I really believe... That, that SmackDown is the right place for him, which also entails that you have to move Daniel Bryan. I was going to say, my only issue with putting Johnny Gargano on SmackDown is you already have Daniel Bryan, and they are literally the same character. I'm not sure which one I would rather have on Raw, which one I would rather have on SmackDown. I'd have to really sit down and look at the two rosters, but at least Gargano versus Styles, Gargano versus Joe, Gargano versus Nakamura, they all feel so much fresher to me than Brian at this point. And I feel like we have to separate Brian and The Miz now, right? Well, you know, you could go into that pre-show. We, uh, you know, I regularly talk about this, and you've seen there's always been agreement on this that they don't really do a whole lot moving things forward that last minute. Why we should invest on the pre-show in you know, what we're going to see on the main show? Uh, we could have the Miz show. Oh, by the way, I deserve to be in that main event, but I agreed to this thing with a stipulation. When I beat you, you're gone from SmackDown. Ooh, I like here, that buddy. too. Uh, then it also kind of makes more. It also kind of makes some sense, you know, that we've heard. You know, why Brian? Why that deal isn't officially done yet is the schedule. And you're the one that mentioned this. It was a tremendous point. When it comes to the blue brand and traveling, you've already got, uh, the, you know, those. You've got tremendous talent, but those true star. That's true star power. That's drawing people to your show. They're more on a part time schedule. Though. You've got Randy Orton. You've got Jeff Hardy. You've got Daniel Bryan. And in it, Brian wants. You know, uh, uh, he doesn't want to be on the road all the time. He wants to be home with the family. He doesn't want that strict schedule. It's much easier to go to Raw and ask for time off where they are perceived to have more of that star power. You know, they, they feel they can they can sell on Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, where you just, you know, and then you sprinkle in Brian every now and then. That's just a great extra bonus. He's not carrying, helping carry a brand for you. I like it. So let's go ahead. Here's what we're going to do now. We're, we're going to throw it over to uh, our talk with uh, our friend Joe Walker, who runs the uh, Pick'em Challenge at the Hameen Media Discussion Group. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back for the close. Huckleberry, we will sit down on Saturday morning. We will do our full preview of SummerSlam Saturday. Have that out probably around noon Central Time because I know how much Huckleberry loves to do things on Central Time. So we'll, we'll, we'll shoot for that. We'll get the SummerSlam preview out on Saturday. We'll let you get back to happy hour at this douchebag bar. But for now, I, let's, let's throw it over to the conversation with one Mr. Joe Walker. Worship us! Hey, what's up? This is the best, Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RBV. Don't miss out. 
<clears throat> All right, guys. So we're back for segment two or the end of segment one. We're not really sure. This is actually the first thing that we're recording this week. So I, I guess, Huckleberry, let's go ahead. We'll jump into it. We are bringing on a very special guest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Walker. You may know him from the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. He is the leader of the PEC. Joe, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, guys. How's it going? Well, you know, just doing the thing. We're trying to kill as much time as we possibly can so we can avoid talking about SummerSlam. I would much rather talk to you about the Pick'em Challenge. Of course, this was Huckleberry's original idea, but Rick, you have given the the, the reins of it up to, to Mr. Joe Walker and that other freaking guy whose name I'm not going to mention because we're going to smoke him this week in the PEC. Such a tremendous introduction there uh, for a good friend of ours. You know, you know, one of the real standouts in the wrestling circles we run in, but you know, I really wanted to have Joe on, you know, for him to come in and introduce his vision of the Pick'em Challenge. And as you put over there, Jargo, something that's so dear to my heart, you know, something I got going, you know, back long ago uh, in that unforgotten land, you know, let's just call it Egypt, before, before our exodus uh, towards the land of milk and honey. The mass exodus going forward, the pack went with it. But we got to the point, you know, it's always going to be in my heart, in my soul, but it got to a point where I could only take it so far. And I wanted to reach out to two individuals uh, that were just as invested and had the vision. And I wanted to hand the ball off to them and let them run with this thing to new heights. And one of those individuals is Mr. Joe Walker. Thank you for being here with us. No problem. Glad to be here. So, Joe, let's... Well, is, is we're coming? Oh, go ahead, Huckleberry. Well, I, I was going to... I just kind of... I kind of got a, uh, a little buzz in the ear. You know, this is the, the third anniversary of this thing. We're three years old. We're invested to this thing. I, I guess we should start before you get in. I know you got some big plans, but why don't you just give the basics and the details to this thing? Well, uh, basically, Jeremy and I worked on just putting together the biggest card we could for the third anniversary. Uh, we've actually got the head honcho, Hameen Media, Competing for his, basically, his creation, the $5 face slap strap. He will be going against uh, the reigning champ, Seth Kennedy, and your former co-GM, Money McIver. Oh, that guy is a scumbag. You ever met him in real life? He's an absolute scumbag. I have not met him. <laughs> He's a terrible human being. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess before we jump too far into this thing, Joe, why don't we explain to people who are not in the Hameen Media Discussion Group, what in the hell is the Pick'em Challenge? How does it work? Basically, the Pick'em Challenge, we take a card. In this, this instance, it'll be this Sunday SummerSlam. We take all the matches. Um, I believe there's something like 12, 13 matches on the card. Um, we pick the winners of each matches based on confidence. Um, your most confident pick will have 13 points for this particular show. And of course, your least confident will have one, which I have pretty much low confidence about every match going into this thing. So it, it's going to be a tough, uh, PEC tag title match against you guys, but the thing is, Jeremy and I don't lose. So, 
Well, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of losing either, which is why I didn't do the PEC until this year. Uh, Joe, why don't you give us uh, a glimpse into what are the bonus questions for the PEC for uh, breaking tiebreakers and whatnot this this month go around? Um, are, I would actually have to go back and look at the card to remember all of them. I know some of them, uh, though, right offhand, uh, will there be any full-blown heel or face turns? Um, will anybody unannounced show up? Um, how many titles will change? Um, obviously, there's a lot of titles being defended, and I think several will change hands. Um, also, we've got um, what will be the Longest match, I believe Jeremy has added what will be the shortest match of the night. Um, and if he's added any more, I don't remember him right off the top of my head. I looked at the card this morning, but it was while I was on break at work, and I don't, I think that's, that's all as far as the bonus. But uh, I think Jeremy told me there's 103 points possible for this pay per view. Well, let's take a, a brief look at the card. Have you filled out your uh, PEC challenge form yet? I have not yet. I'm still thinking about, I'm torn on several matches. Uh, Brock and Reigns, I, I honestly, and I'm going to probably catch a lot of grief for this, but I hope Roman wins because I'm tired of Brock as champion. Um, Everybody boo Joe Walker. <laughs> it, it would not surprise me though if Brock did win because I mean he's Brock Lesnar and he's run through everybody that's been in his way so far. So, what is the match that you feel the most confident in looking at the card going into this weekend? Honestly, looking at the card right now, my most confident would probably be the pre-show match between Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega versus uh, Rusev and Lana. I think. Uh, Andrade and Zelina definitely go over there. And what is the match that you feel the least confident in going in to SummerSlam this Sunday on the WWE Network? Free for new subscribers, by the way. Um, for two months. For two freaking months. If you listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, they are running a special just on the Conrad Thompson shows where you can get two months for free. Which is that is a great podcast, but they have nothing on the Hami Media guys. Just cheap That's plug right. there. That's right. Way to put us over, uh, Joe. This is why we like you. Yes. Um, at least confident. Uh, I could probably say the whole card, but actually, I believe it or not, my least confident would be the uh, Alexa Bliss Ronda Rousey match because something tells me that. Uh, Shayna Baszler is going to get involved there somehow. And, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ronda win, even though I think it's a little soon to put the belt on her just yet. But yeah. See, this is one of those, this is one of those goofy finishes inside of the PEC where I am actually going to pick Ronda Rousey to win this match 
but I'm going to pick Alexa Bliss to retain the title because I think it's going to be a DQ. You have to take these things into consideration when it comes to the, the pick them challenge. Well, I'm going to say, Joe, what you, what you really should be, and I know this is outside the rules, but the, what you should be, well, you know what? Probably most confident in the outcome, but least confident in yourself. Because those pick them challenge tag team championships are switching hands. You know, I just pulled up the standings. Do you realize the juggernaut you are against? Did you, do you realize that sitting number two is the RBV? Sitting at number six is not Jargo. While you guys are barely clinging anywhere near the top ten. I know you guys are the longest rating of any champions. You guys have only had one mishap. But I want to put you on the. I want to put you on the spot right here. You know, as now the directors of the Pick'em Challenge, the the high standards that one Money MacGyver and I have set. I want you to do the right thing and and commit to. Once you lose these championships, you will remove yourself from title contention. Well, I would I would have to discuss that with my part my tag team partner, but uh, you know. Uh, I was I was thinking about this whole deal while I was working today, you know, kind of running stuff through my head, and uh, I think you know, being the longest rating champs, that should you all beat us, which you know we've been the underdogs from day one, but uh, you know, should you all beat us, I, I think we're owed one rematch, and we lose twice, which again I don't see happening. I'll do respect to you guys, but. You know, if we do lose, then we get a rematch. We lose again. Then, you know, then we might remove ourselves from contention. But you hear this, Huckleberry? He is backpedaling. He goes to the Roman Reigns School of Media. Well, yeah, you know, you're, you're all over the board there. We, we want the commitment when we take those titles from you. On that, on that note, Jargo, we are the big dogs of the tag division. Well, I mean, you're talking about how, you know, you're, you're, we're the longest reigning champs, but we, we've been the underdog since day one. That sounds like a Roman Reigns thing to say. Well, <laughs> I, I think back to your, your fellow Huckleberry here when uh, when he put together the, the ladies, uh, Lindsay and Monica, who, by the way, were a great uh, challenger to Jeremy and I. The, he said they were his hand-picked champions, you know, didn't, you know, Jeremy and I didn't get an ounce of credit going when we were even vying for being the number one contenders. And we won and, you know, and we become the champions and we're still, we, we're, we're still the, the heel team that gets, that's not getting any respect. So we're, we're the, rev, you might say we're the revival of the PEC, only we're champs and dashing Dolphin aren't. Well, I guess that would make uh, me and Huckleberry D Generation X because we're coming to bury your ass on Sunday. Jarko, here's here's what I'll put these two over. They are both from the great state of Kentucky. Uh, So what they are for the Huckleberries is they are KY Jelly. They're going to make it easier for us to slide in and take those championships. Love it. You know, there's only one good thing that ever came out of Kentucky, and it's Ale 8. I like me some L eight one. That's for sure. Other than that, Kentucky can well, freaking suck it, man. Well, we you know we actually hang championship banners and basketball in Kentucky. Which how many do y'all have in Iowa? Hey, you're talking to, you're talking to two Duke Blue Devil fans. Thank you very yeah, much. You want to you want to bring this up? You <laughs> 
bring up one of the greatest oh, moments here. Dog, I knew there was something wrong with you, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not the first person to say that to me today in the last 20 minutes, actually. There is something wrong with me. I need to think about my life. So I, I, I knew you were a, a Duke fan, RBV. I had to give you a little crap when, uh, you know, y'all got eliminated in the tourney last year and when we got screwed, we got screwed. Well, Joe, uh, I, I guess, I mean, is there anything else you want to close? You know, why people need to head on over, check this thing out. Where, where can they find, you know, where can they find the sign up? Where can they find you? What else you got going on? Uh, well, anybody who wants to uh, join up, uh, feel free to join the single greatest Facebook group in all of Facebook, the Hami Media Discussion Group. And uh, sign on up for the PEC. Jeremy has posted the link. Uh, anybody can join. Um, a lot of fun, talking smack. You know, bunch of great wrestling fans. Uh, like I said, the greatest wrestling group, overall group on Facebook, Hacker Hami. Yala. Thanks for joining us, Joe. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you Sunday as you're looking at the lights and we're standing over you with our newly won PEC Tag Team Championships. Well, I, I will be, I will say the best of luck, but this isn't a prediction. It's a spoiler in the words of the great Paul Heyman. We're walking in the champs and we're walking out the champs. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. I am in the locker room with Jargo and RBV. Avert your eyes and don't wait outside the locker room for me. Huckleberry, we got to get this thing right. We got to take these guys out. We have to claim these tag team championships. Well, I think, you know, the beautiful part about this is, and um, my way out as, you know, ruining the, the roost, the, the head of the pickup challenge, uh, one of my last demands, one thing that was set in stone with the contract to let these guys take over is that you and I would have the opportunity to challenge for the, the Pick'em Challenge tag team titles at SummerSlam, the three-year anniversary with the biggest shows of the year. We're going to claim these things. Right now, we're sitting, me and you are sitting in the, you know, the, top, the top of the standings there. Uh, two of the most dangerous competitors were coming at the championship gold. So if people really want to keep following, you know, just me, the one half of the new Pick'em Champions, you know, come Monday morning, you know, make sure you're following me across all social media at the real RBV. After SummerSlam, Smack Talk's getting revamped, relaunching Tuesday nights on one wrestling video. It is this week in WWE with the RBV. And we are gearing up, brother, for uh, just the countdown is on a little over two weeks. Are we two weeks out today? I believe so. Two weeks from today, we will so be we, in so Chicago. On Pod Row. Lots of pressure. Lots of pressure. It's going to be fantastic. And but, but I guess I guess here, I, you know, for, for me, though, I guess for me, from uh, the corner of Glenmore and Applegate, in the mean streets of the West Cincinnati. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you can't see this, but 
Jargo with Voucher, literally, we are broadcasting at uh, right off a major intersection. He's in the hood, y'all. He's in the hood, recording live from the hood of the mean streets of Cincinnati, Ohio. I can barely hey, even Dean say Ambrose, that with a street face. Oh, yeah, we'll talk Dean about Ambrose, Dean Ambrose. We'll talk about Dean Ambrose on Saturday. We're going to talk about uh, Paul Heyman on Saturday. We're going to talk about Roman Reigns on Saturday. Oh, the Saturday show is going to be... Um, what's the word I want to use? Entertaining. We'll go with that. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Huckleberry, we're up to like 400 followers now. Woohoo! Yeah, we, we don't use our Twitter a whole lot. But you know what the funny part of that is? Is it's up from like 65 or something like that in June. We're using it a hell of a lot more. Shout out to Dave Hancock for giving me... T- some pointers of how to use Twitter. I've been using Twitter so much that they wouldn't let me follow any more people today. Freaking bastards. So we'll talk to you Saturday right here at hittingthemarks.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. Say up. Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f-
Violet!